0: This is Straight Outta Vegas.
1: Straight of Vegas!
0: With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell.
2: Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge.
0: Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well,
1: as I've said many times before, sports, through the greatest reality show invented And you can script everything but the outcome. And that's why this time of year, all year, is so much fun. And in a world of questions, tonight we've got answers. In a world of problems, we've got solutions. On that note, I'm Bernie Frowner. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight, we'll take an early first look at the Super Bowl. And the tale of two quarterbacks is two years ago. Their respective teams won a combined total of five games. And now, the big game. What are we, 171 hours away? 171 and a half hours away? Something like that from the big game. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by NFL and UFC betting guru, Lou Finnecaro, also known as Gambling Lou, will get his early take on the Super Bowl, among other things, as he is a UFC betting expert. After Brian Fenley's update, well, I'm going to share the backstory of the Jim Harbaugh back to Michigan, Minnesota saga, and what, what really happened there and how I think folks can move on uh, with their lives. I never once wavered that he was going to return, and there are, it's kind of a two-pronged reason, and I'll dive into it. Of course, we wrap up the show with Mackinon Sports. Sports are entertainment, but they are more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them, so you've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Jim Harbaugh, Minnesota, it's gonna be lit. All right. I know we're all waiting with great anticipation for the Super Bowl, uh, and the the countdown is really gonna start to officially begin momentarily after the Pro Bowl starts and you get to Monday and everybody descends on Los Angeles and Radio Row commences. And I participated in one Radio Row. That was Super Bowl 42,006 uh, in Detroit when Seattle and Pittsburgh uh, teed it up. It was like a home game for the Steelers. And we, it was actually Radio in the Round, if anybody, anybody remembers, because it was done downtown at the Renaissance Center, which is this big 80-story building, circular. And rather than Radio Row, we did... Radio in the round, but I digress. Uh, two weeks of hype have already sort of started, and, and primarily what's been the focus, the quarterback play, and for good reason. The Bengals and, and, and Joe Burrow, uh, listen, they played very well in the playoffs, made plays when we needed to make them. And uh, it, it, truth be told, Matt Stafford, he provided exactly what his new team was looking for in the playoffs. Uh, but interestingly enough, I think a lot of folks believe that the best player on the field will be Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald, who basically helped close out the NFC Championship game, and he could be the antidote and the kryptonite for Joe Burrow's hot play, and next week we're going to get heavily much more into the Super Bowl. Tonight we'll we'll dance around it in the periphery a little bit, Uh, but interestingly enough, two years ago, as I mentioned, well, Joe Burrow wasn't on a team uh the bengals were one and 14 two years ago without joe burrow and he elevated the franchise i don't know they drafted some players around him. that typically is what you need you need to have talent to win but you've also be you know got to be able to have the right conduit to take advantage of that talent and that is joe burrow who's a special person can cincinnati win this game absolutely they can win this game i'm not going to get into handicapping it tonight but we will next week but don't just automatically think they don't need to play this game and it's already a foregone conclusion. Meanwhile, the Lions two years ago with the venerable Matt Stafford was 3-12 and under center, 3-12-1 with Stafford. So a tale of two quarterbacks who are now both uh, in the Super Bowl. And uh, Matt Stafford says he gets to play in a meaningful game. And and you know what, I, I I congratulate Matt Stafford on his success. He's done a good job. He's had his moments, but that's what he does. But look, they're in the Super Bowl. End of story. And he he contributed. Um, But I take great umbrage with this. I never got to play in a meaningful game. Next week at this time, I'm going to chronicle eight, eight, eight meaningful games the Lions played in Stafford's career. And they were meaningful. Three were actual playoff games. The other five had real playoff implications. And I'll explain why. You know what? Part of the reason he didn't play in more meaningful playoff games is because he didn't win the ones he played in. And you, that, if you want to tell the story, tell the whole story. And if Matt Stafford wins the Super Bowl, read my article. I'll be the first to congratulate him. They're there. It can happen. A couple of interesting things um, that you might want to find because you're going to be inundated with figures, factoids, and you're going to be drowning in statistics and some some of the meaningless, meaningless statistics. But in the Super Bowl, in the last 15 Super Bowls, teams with the lower winning percentage – Heading into the game, 11-4 straight up, 14-1 against the number in the last 15 Super Bowls. Who's the team with the lower winning percentage? Cincinnati Bengals. Again, like we talked about in the wild card or divisional round, pick the straight-up winner, and you cover. No different in the Super Bowl in the last 55 Super Bowls. If you just pick the winner, you'd be 47-6-2 against the spread by just picking the winner. That means... If you believe the Rams will win, and you lay the four, history suggests they're going to cover the four. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Don't listen selectively, people. And if you pick the Bengals to win outright or the Bengals to cover, uh, maybe they win outright. We'll see. But that's been the, that's been the trend. Uh, another uh, another headline, as it were, or storyline heading into the game: Will Joe Burrow become the only quarterback in history? to win the Heisman trophy, win a national championship, and win the Super Bowl. And if he did it, he would have done it all within the span of 3 years. That's just simply unreal. All right, take a quick look uh at at sort of the matchup here. Why do the Rams uh why does the consensus believe the Rams will win? 59% of the people feel that way. I guess you really have to give Matt Stafford a lot of credit here too as well because he, you, you really can't count the Rams out in the fourth quarter if, if Stafford's on his game. And based on how close the NFL's playoff games have been over the last two weeks, Stafford has, you know, he can show real resourcefulness as long as he doesn't throw an arm punt and uh, and uh, Jaquaski tart drops it. And, again, you want to tell a story, tell the whole story. Don't tell part of the story. But he did drop it, and, and the Rams took advantage of it and went and scored, won the game. Stafford can be very resourceful, and that could be a real advantage. Um, Stafford does have a lot of fourth-quarter comebacks in NFL history. I don't like to mention it. Who were they against? Uh, he still, you know, is like fourteen and seventy-two against teams above five hundred. But he's pulled off late consecutive victories in the last two weeks in the playoffs, when it really mattered. So again, that's part of the whole story. Joe Burrow, meanwhile, is playing at a higher level at the moment, but it's hard to argue, um, you know. If you just match up the two offenses, Burrow and his offenses, along with Stafford, Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr., with the game on the line, I don't know who. I you, I I think you might give the edge to the Rams there. Now, here's a reason for concern for the Rams. All right, uh, I know this is gonna sound odd because I'm a fan, but given that he's not led the Rams to a, you know, pair of Super Bowls, uh, there are folks who feel that Sean McVay coached in sort of a desperate fashion last week. Um you're never going to hear me say anything bad about Sean McVeigh. I think he's a hell of a coach. And not only that, I think he is he is the type of guy that players want to play hard for. Uh I went back and watched that Super Bowl and uh when the Rams lost 13-3, go off through that horrible interception at the end of the game, he came off the field and you could hear McVay was mic'd up, and he patted Goff on the back, and there were about four minutes to go in the game. And the game wasn't over, but Brady drove him down, the Patriots down, they got a field goal. And you could hear McVay saying, hang in there, you're doing great. Uh, McVeigh is a type of guy, he's going to be in this league a long time, and this will not be his last Super Bowl. But interestingly enough, you might find this interesting. The average NFL coach put forth nine challenges over the course of the 2021 season. Sean McVay during the regular season only won. And it wasn't even till week 18, yet McVay used two of them in the NFC Conference Championship game versus the 49ers and lost them both and lost all of his timeouts as a result with seven minutes to go in the game. So, listen, uh, I, I don't know uh, how you process that or how you extrapolate that. The truth of the matter is, as long as the Rams front four shows up, especially Aaron Rodgers and Von Miller, Uh, this is really a huge, this is the mismatch you look for because it is a mismatch against the Bengals' offensive line. And somehow Burrow manages to hold his own against pass rushers who are getting home, especially in the divisional round against the Titans, but when he was sacked nine times and they still won. But the Rams will be the most aggressive and most talented that Burrow's faced. And there have been many Super Bowls that have been won by dominant interior pass rushes that basically take quarterbacks out of their comfort zone and thus win the game. We'll see. It's the one matchup you got to be very leery of if you're a Bengals fan. But the Bengals, why can they win it? Well, don't overthink it. Their you know, their reward for having the worst record in 2019 was the fact they got to draft Joe Burrow, who's now the first number one quarterback to get his team to the Super Bowl within the first two seasons, and he's been holding up very well behind the offensive line I just mentioned that doesn't keep him clean. And you know, just last week he completed seven of 12 when under pressure. And three third downs, even though he had to use his feet to do them, including two third down conversions of more than six yards. And the truth of the matter is, even when the Chiefs found ways to cover up their top receiver, Jamar Chase, Burrow, sh- uh, you know, simply shifted to T. Higgins, who had six catches for 103 yards. Burrow is like a hot point guard in the NCAA tournament who can find ways to carry his team and and make up for their deficiencies. Burrow is the goods, and I will tell you, I got to believe the long and the short of it is that if Cincinnati wins, it most likely will be because of Joe Burrow somehow, some way. Reason for concern if you're a Bengals fan, they made a major defensive adjustment after they fell behind the Chiefs 21-3 on Sunday, most notably, A, taking away receiver Tyreek Hill, but what they did is they dropped eight, and they for- they forced Mahomes to get jumpy in the pocket. And, you know, the, the Bengals have a defensive coordinator no one has ever heard of named Lou Anarumo. He makes adjustments, and he's made adjustments, and they seem to always make them because uh, they're very good in the second half, there's no question, and they're very good defensively. And uh, I just don't, I will say this, though, if the Bengals fall behind 21-3, to even though the Rams... You know, the, the Tom Brady came back on them, and the Niners got out ahead, and I don't think that's going to be good. The truth of the matter is um, the Bengals' defense is susceptible to very questionable moments they were during the regular season, and they ranked 24th against opposing total QB, uh, QBR quarterbacks. So Stafford could have a good day. How will the Bengals win? They'll have to just ride that wave that we've seen other recent Super Bowl winners find. Uh, the regular season's best team doesn't necessarily win the Super Bowl. It's a team that plays the best with the most confidence in the postseason. And I think sometimes that gap can be wide, but every single member of the Bengals organization believes they can win. And that's not just hyperbole. Uh, there's something special happening there. We'll break it down much more succinctly next week. A couple of other footnotes. Matt Stafford had lost 26 straight starts, including the playoffs, when trailing by 10 or more points entering the fourth quarter, including 0-4 this season. And the Rams, under Sean McVay, they'd been 0-14, including the playoffs, when they trailed by 10-plus points entering the fourth quarter, including 0-4 this season. Once again, thank you and happy Valentine's Day to Joukowsky Tart. You have to wonder the conversation we'd be having if he'd have caught that ball. It was right in his hands. It was so so such on-brand for Matt Stafford. And I know I saw people on Twitter, oh, no, there were nine minutes left to go in the game. Rams would have come back. You don't know that. You don't know that. And I don't know that they wouldn't have. But you tell me if you'd have rather had 49ers with the ball almost near midfield with a three-point lead or what happened when Tart dropped the ball. One final thing, by the way. Uh, The Rams, uh, look, I'll tell you what. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, We'd all have a Merry Christmas. So let's just give the Rams credit. They made the plays when they needed to make them at most, irrespective of mistakes. And um, I, I would say this, that it was a total team effort. Uh, you, one of the things I haven't even mentioned, you have to give the Rams defensive front incredible credit. They hold the 49ers to, what, 50 rushing yards? And if you hold a Mike Shanahan offense to 50 rushing yards, uh, that's probably a, a recipe for success, and it was. All right, so we're what, 171 hours and 15 minutes away from the Super Bowl. I can't wait. You can't wait either. Coming up, Lou Finocchiaro, a gambling guru, a UFC guru. He likes to talk about a measured approach. We'll welcome him in, and we'll, we'll get his early thoughts on the Super Bowl as well. I'm Bernie Friday. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Hey, we're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Let's welcome in a gentleman. We had him on our show about a year ago. Has what I would re- I would refer to as a very refreshing approach. He calls it the measured approach to betting. Say hello to gambling Lou, Lou Finocera. Lou, thanks for staying up tonight, buddy.
0: Bernie, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, always a pleasure to share a little insight with you
1: great Lou and before we get into some of your thoughts on the Super Bowl and UFC card next week where title a title bout refresh uh, the folks with your uh, you, what I would call a very intelligent approach and in what you call the measured the measured approach to betting
0: well Bernie I come from Omaha Nebraska and there uh, the Oracle of Omaha a guy named Warren Buffett lives and dwells and he's <laughs> He's a he's a business leader and uh, really a role model for all people that live there. And growing up listening to his business insight was always very interesting. And not really being a, you know a natural businessman. Uh, I gravitated and took his advice and applied it to sports gaming, and the and the first thing that he really focused on when he asked if if he had to pick a slew of stocks how he would do, his his opinion was that if they gave him fifty stocks to pick that he'd probably be just under fifty percent because that's not how he did it hmm. rather. The approach that he took was very selective and that he would choose to study one, two, or three businesses, know those businesses as well as the people that ran them and select that way. So rather than taking an approach to try and bet every sport, I really quickly learned to narrow my focus in, in order to increase my expertise. And and so I'm going a long way in saying that there's only a few sports that I really work, NFL, UFC, hockey playoffs, and the College World Series. and And that's a schedule throughout the year that really allows me to work almost one sport at a time throughout the year. It works very well and it allows me to specialize in just a few sports.
1: That's an excellent approach. I know a guy in town, Lou, that only bets college football. He only bets the MAC and does quite well. So that's an excellent approach in terms of sort of funneling your energies into a select few so you can concentrate. Uh, your your sort of your attention, as it were. All right, let's look ahead, Lou. Any early thoughts on the Super Bowl side total or any potential props that you have got your eye on?
0: Yeah, I try and take a, a, a more recreational approach to the Super Bowl. However, early line move this year in the total, specifically Bernie, has me taking a different approach. Uh, the, op- the, the opening at fifty one at least I'm looking at let's call it uh, the superbook opener fifty one that that number went immediately Tuesday to forty eight and a half where it's kind of <laughs> remained the yes. rest of the week. That's a lot of that's aggressive line movement and I disagree with that line movement. Consequently, I think my move in the Super Bowl, I, I went and bought to 48. I think that number's hit its bottom and I believe that next week as we get into watching the real betting of the Super Bowl take place, that will increase each day as we get closer to the Super Bowl. I think we'll see that total rise. I believe it gets back close to 51 or even higher than 51 as we approach the game and as the public gets involved. And it's at that point in time where I'll either have the choice to come back on an under and play an arbitrage bet or at Mm. least hold advantage with my 48.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Lou. And the game is being played indoors, perfect conditions, and you've got two pretty high-powered offenses. Uh, do you The line's currently at four and a half. Ram money has come in. Do you expect it uh, to come back the other way, back toward four? Five's kind of a dead number. What do you expect the the action to be as you get closer to kickoff?
0: Boy, that's a great question, too. And I, I, I want to think that there that the public might be on Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. The story's good. I, I think, you know, obviously uh, you're L.A., so – Uh, or at least Las Vegas and West Coast, I I mean, I think that we're going to see a lot of Las Vegas, uh, a lot of L.A. love in Las Vegas. That said, I do believe that it could come back and push towards four, maybe even three and a half Mm -hmm. uh, as we get closer to game time. I I have less strong thoughts on the side as I do the total. Talking
1: with Lou Finnecaro, gambling Lou, the measured approach. Great advice, and there's his opening thoughts on the Super Bowl. Let's get into your wheelhouse, Lou. Uh, The middleweight main event next week, Israel Adanya and Robert Whitaker. Uh, It's a title bout. What are your thoughts?
0: It's going to be a great fight. This is a rematch, actually, of a fight from 2019. Uh, Whitaker, in that fight, had really been at the – he was the champion. He'd been at the end of a a string of long – argue with fights. Mentally, physically, the kid was worn down. I don't think we saw his best. And I, I do believe that we can expect better from him in this next fight. I believe there's a little bit of value on him at this point in time. Uh, that said, I think that the, the tactic for anyone that wants to take a look at Whitaker will be to be as patient as you can be and wait to make a move on him until right before they ring the first bell, because there'll be plenty of Adesanya action coming in from now until the time they ring that first bell.
1: The thing that jumps at me, Lou, uh, Lou, when you look at the tail of the tape is that I believe Adesanya has an almost seven-inch reach advantage. How big is that in the UFC?
0: In stand-up fights, it equates to tremendous advantage, Bernie, and that's just the key of the fight. Uh, Whitaker in their first fight got a little desperate and really tried to play Adasanya's game. In Adasanya's most recent loss, when he stepped up to light heavy to fight Jan Blachowicz, Blachowicz controlled him by wrestling. And I think we'll see Robert Whitaker absolutely try that tactic and, and look to get Adesanya uh, onto the ground where his movement and length is squelched and where Whitaker's strength can take over.
1: Follow him at Gamblu on Twitter, Lou Finacero, the measured approach. And uh, folks, you want to save this and listen to the podcast later. Lou, that's a, a quite a primer you gave the listening audience tonight on how to focus your energies in betting. Thanks so much for coming on.
0: Bernie, thanks for having me. Good luck, everyone. Enjoy the Super Bowl week.
1: Thanks, Lou. That's Lou Finacero. Gamblu on Twitter. His specialty is UFC. Uh, and you heard his uh, comments about the Super Bowl. Coming up, I'm going to take you behind the scenes of what finally happened in the Jim Harbaugh saga. It's over. He is officially heading back to Michigan, where, where I think he'll be there for the duration. I'll tell you what happened leading up to the meeting in Minnesota, Wednesday with the Vikings, what happened during the meeting, and why it didn't work out. I never once wavered. I always believed, based on the moles I have in multiple cities, that at the end of the day, Harbaugh would return to Michigan but first let's go to the man he's author of the book Men Are From Mars Women (laughs) Are From Venus Major League Baseball You've got your head in your anus.
2: Brian Finley with the latest. Okay. Hey, good to hear from you, Bernie. On that note, we'll go from baseball to the NBA. A lot of action, a frenetic list of games here to get to from Saturday, including the Bucks as they curb the Trailblazers 137-108. to 108. Giannis Adentacumpo putting up 29 points. And then there was Bobby Portis putting on a show with his 30 points, 11 of 13 from the field. This man, the big man, went to Arkansas. Uh, six of eight from downtown as well. LeBron James made his comeback after sitting out the last five games with a knee injury, and he amassed a triple double to pilot the Lakers over the Knicks, 122 to 115 in overtime, mind you. And LA did overcome a 21 point second quarter deficit in the process, and they're now just two games. Below 500, the Suns have the best record in the NBA at 42 and 10. After they disgrace the Wizards 95 to 80, the Wiz 11 points. That's all they scored in the second quarter. The Heat they get the job done against the Hornets 104 to 86 by outscoring Charlotte 35 to 8 in the third quarter. Also, the Grizzlies whip up on the Magic 135 to 115 in Orlando. As far as college basketball is concerned, number three UCLA Went into Arizona State territory and fell in triple overtime, 87 to 84. The Bruins shot just 5 of 22 from long range, and now they have a two game losing streak and will try to rebound on Tuesday at Stanford. Number two, Gonzaga puncturing BYU. How about this score? 90 to 57. Chet Holmgren, 20 points, 17 rebounds, six assists, and five blocks. You call that multitasking number 9 Duke all over UNC 87 to 67 AJ Griffin scoring 27 points there was also number 5 Kentucky battering Alabama 66 to 55 Bama shot just 28% from the field and 10% Bernie from three point range I would think Bernie if you and I got out there on the court we would do better than 10% again we don't have a hand in our face like these guys do at this high level of division 1 ball but with that, that, i send it back to you yeah man i can fill it
1: up from behind the arc Got me <laughs> at your own risk man sag off me and you're gonna have a problem all right just you've been warned thanks brian all right jim the, the jim harbaugh saga which really in, a, in effect lasted 33 days came to a conclusion uh wednesday in minnesota and uh and i would just say this uh i i liken it to a movie i saw many 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 years ago it was an independent film it was a story of uh three young ladies who decided to travel to alaska because they wanted to find husbands and they had heard that in alaska men outnumbered women ten to one uh they returned home three months later none of them with husbands And uh, of course, folks were inquisitive asking them what happened to which they replied, well, we got there and the odds were good, but the goods were odd. So therefore, they didn't close the deal and neither did Jim Harbaugh. And it was an odd situation. Um, You've heard my updates on this show and with uh, Brian Finley and Jason Martin and Arnie Spanier over the last few weeks. And two weeks ago tonight, it looked like it was really, I'd said it was 90%. It would become like 98%. Uh, Harbaugh had been, you know, he was on the recruiting trail. He was going to hockey games on campus. He picked up his new courtesy car from the dealership that he gets every year. All the, you know, TV's were there. And then the Vikings hired a new GM by the name of Queasy Adolfo Mensa, who's a brilliant man. Uh, Interesting background, came from Wall Street, not a football guy, but – he and Jim Harbaugh had actually had a history in, uh, in San Francisco in 2013-2014 before Harbaugh left. So Harbaugh reached out to Mensah and said he was interested in the job. Mensah said, are you sure? Are you really sure? Harbaugh said, yes. Well, then they had an exploratory phone call, and based on that phone call, Harbaugh flew to Minnesota Wednesday for his in-person interview. Hold that thought, because at that point, Mensa had already interviewed Kevin O'Connell, the Rams OC, and I was told on Friday uh, before, on the Friday before the Wednesday that Harbaugh flew to Minnesota, if you can follow this, that Kevin O'Connell was going to be their number one choice. D'Amico Ryan's close second, the defensive coordinator from San Francisco, but he ended up pulling his name out of the mix before Sunday's game in the NFC Championship. Again, follow along. So Harbaugh gets on a plane Tuesday night, and the Twitter sphere was going bananas. The group that Gecko Chamber was on fire. It's a formality. Harbaugh said his goodbyes. He's taken the job. You know, good night, Irene. Uh, don't forget to lock the door. No. Okay. I made some calls and some texts, and I, I was told no, it's not a formality. That just simply is not true. And here's why. Because Quisi Adolfo Menzo did not have the autonomy to make that decision. The Wolves, who own the Minnesota Vikings, are really uh, terrific people. They're very measured. They're very, what I would call, dignified in the sense of uh, there are going to be multiple factors on who they determine will coach their team. And one of the things they wanted very much was continuity. And even though Mike Zimmer never really got to the promised land, and the, I think the Vikings... Fandom feel that they've really fallen short in what the expectations would have been, and of course, that miracle uh, that put uh, the, uh, the Saints into the NFC. You know, I you, don't I don't want to make Vikings have to relive that. Okay, that that was a tough one. But the bottom line is, one of the concerns that the Wolves had was, you know, the stability of Jim Harbaugh. Would he get itchy if they brought him in in two or three years? Uh, they were also very concerned that you just had your best season at Michigan, 12-win season. Michigan hadn't won 12 games in 25 years. You beat Ohio State. You got to the playoffs. You won the Big Ten. And on National Recruiting Day, and I, I get it, it's, it was more optics because everybody was already signed. Um, why are you here in Minnesota when you should be with your team? I, I, I do think that bothered the Wolves. I'm not going to lie. There were people in the room that were hard-bought detractors, and one of them was a minority owner of the Vikings who was a Michigan alum. He's been a minority owner of the Vikings since 2005. I believe his name is Jim Stapleton. I do not know Jim Stapleton. I've never talked to Jim Stapleton, but people I trust told me he was not a Harbaugh fan, and he's in the Wolf's ear. I'm also told that Wolf may have refielded phone calls from other people who work with Jim Harbaugh and said, be careful. And so Harbaugh is past peccadilloes and his idiosyncrasies and his qualms, and he's very eccentric Caught up with him, and I think the Wolves were very uncomfortable. But what was most interesting is that I really think Harbaugh thought that he was just there to get the offer. And yeah, they were going to go through the process like Todd Graham did and the other interviewees did, but really it was a formality. He was going to get the offer. It's my understanding that Harbaugh, you know, was fairly well incredulous uh, mid afternoon when the light bulb went off of his head and he realized, I'm not getting the offer. Good night folks. Time to go no senses uh no no sense in being here and uh i he called Ward Manuel, his boss, the athletic director uh their friends they were teammates at Michigan under Bo and said i'm coming back and i'm I'm staying and I'm not going to make this an annual thing and i and I believe him for a couple of reasons. I think he had a, a revelation it's what I call the Bobby Knight syndrome when Bobby Knight was fired from Indiana and then a few years later he took. A had coaching job in Lubbock, Texas at Texas Tech. It was because, uh, you know, he, he realized the spotlight. He missed the spotlight a lot more than the spotlight missed him. Harbaugh, I think, has come to the realization that his his demand or perceived demand in the NFL really isn't what, he thought it was, because in 33 days, what did we hear? You know, three weeks ago, Bruce Feldman writing articles. Well, if Jim Harbaugh is offered of the Raiders job, he might take it. That's he wasn't wrong. He was never going to be offered of the Raiders job because I look where I live in Las Vegas. Look where the Raiders are. I got people I talk to. Uh, did Harbaugh work on that staff in 2003? Yeah. Worked with a guy named Ed Dodds. Ed Dodds is now an assistant GM in Indianapolis, so conspiracy theorists ran wild. Did they bring in Ed Dodds? Ed Dodds would... Harbaugh... No. No, no, no. Mark Davis realized after giving uh, John Gruden megalomaniacal all-seeing all, all, sewing, all seeing power that was never going to happen again. He was not going to handpick a coach. They went through a very measured process. They end up with a tandem. You know about that. Harbaugh never interviewed with the Raiders. Harbaugh never interviewed with the Bears. I understand they had phone conversations once the Bears realized Harbaugh allegedly wanted John Grude money. He was off the table. Never interviewed with the Giants. So he had a He had a total of one in-person interview in 33 days. And I just told you how it went. So I think he's come to the realization that the NFL is not the same league he was in in 2014. And it's not that the game has passed him by because Harbaugh would build a culture anywhere he's at. And, but we're in a bit of a copycat league. That's why you're seeing the Matt LaFleurs and the Sean McVays and now the Zach Taylors. This is the new trend. The NFL is an offensive league. You bring in an offensive guru and you get yourself a quarterback and the next thing you know, you're going to be pretty tough to beat. Um, I also think that Harbaugh and his father, and he realized, you know, it hurt Harbaugh to lose the Super Bowl. He doesn't like to lose at anything. It very much hurt him to lose that Super Bowl. But to lose it to his brother was even worse. It was always presumed he might be back. But he really kind of needed to beat Ohio State and get over the hump to have the marketability. So he did what a lot of people would do, and that is take advantage of maybe striking while the iron was hot. And in a perfect world, if somebody would have strolled in and offered him ten million a year or eight year, he he might have gone. He might have. I'm still not a hundred percent sure he would have, but he might have. But at the end of the day, after all the speculation and conjecture and groupthink echo chamber opinions, based on two things. The fact that I really believe, at the end of the day, Harbaugh's heart is at Michigan because he's driven by admiration. He's driven by respect. He's driven by being chaste. He's driven by being relevant. He has all that at Michigan. He has total power at Michigan. He makes all the money he needs to make. Not, if if someone offered Jim Harbaugh $100 million, yeah, that'd be nice. He could buy a lot of Hebrew Nationals with that. But it's what the $100 million contract represents symbolically is the thing that would drive Harbaugh more so than the actual money itself. Jim Harbaugh, the $2 million he got in bonuses as a result of beating Ohio State and winning the Big Ten, he he, he distributed among athletic department staffers whose salaries had been compromised during COVID. So this is a guy that's very complex, very nuanced, and at the end of the day, uh, no one really knows what he's going to do but him, but I was able to sort of read the tea leaves talk to people that I know that are closer to the situation and you start to use deductive reasoning and at the end of the day again, I keep saying that when the genuine NFL interest wasn't really there and to the degree that he thought it would be Jim Harbaugh thought it would be that was a bit of a revelation. Michigan stuck with him through all this. Michigan stuck with him through losing all those years to Ohio State. At the end of the day, I think he's, he's back home where his heart is, and his father, who lives across the street, who I really believes, he thinks Jim is doing God's work, is in his corner. And so are a lot of Michigan people who, frankly, are very excited that Jim Harbaugh is back. So that will close the Jim harbaugh chapter coming up you know him you love me can't lay without him we bring you back out to las vegas mackinac sports with Mackenzie rivers we get an early start on the only kind of data you find right here on this show i'm bernie frato coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios this is the pre-game show you always wanted so don't go away you're listening to straight, Outta vegas. straight out of vegas one of the best in the business bernie Fratto. Well, we're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles: Bull Benson, Chris Perfent, Brian Finley on the updates, and yes, they'll be with me all the way up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. At this time, you know them, you love them, you can't live without them. Let's welcome you back out to Las Vegas. Mackinac Sports from Mackenzie Rivers. You know, McKenzie, I know we're going to get to this year's Super Bowl a little later in the show, including, including some early props you might have, but Russ never sleeps here in Vegas. It's never too soon. You've already got the early
3: Super Bowl favorites for next year. Yes, and doesn't it seem just a little bit like the football season has wrapped up just in the last couple of days? NFL fans, I mean, 30 out of 32 of them don't have anything to root for, but... The NFL is too smart for that. They've made it a a 365-day-a-year sport. So everyone wants to know, how does your team stack up for the shot at the big one next year? Well, who do you like, the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs? That was the biggest question this year coming into the playoffs. That's the biggest question next year when you look at the Super Bowl odds. A lot of variation. If you look at some of the sharper books, like... Westgate, Nevada here in Vegas. They have the Buffalo Bills as the Super Bowl favorite at 7 to 1, but if you look at all the books, you take a smorgasbord of all the, you know, different kind of books out there, the Kansas City Chiefs again for the fourth year in a row are the consensus Super Bowl favorites. Who do you think out of those two? Obviously, they had the game of the year this year. You know, anybody could have won it, a true coin flip game. Who do you think should be favored going into next year, the Bills or the Chiefs?
1: Well, if you if my choice is those two, McKenzie, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. For some reason, it's just not in Buffalo's DNA to beat Kansas City uh, when it matters. So I would trust Kansas City more than I would trust Buffalo, although on
3: paper, Buffalo looks awfully good. And you could always go off the board. I'm going to ask you in a minute if you have a sleeper. I have one I'll tell you about. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, too. I think losing Brian Dable is a sneaky big loss for the Bills. I looked up teams that won 10-plus games, have the same coach and the same quarterback. Only one in four actually beat their season win expectation the next year. So the Bills have their work cut out for them. But for my sleeper, I honestly think the Tennessee Titans – they're twenty-two to one right now. I think Tannehill's a fine quarterback. They probably have twenty-two to one odds if he's the quarterback. But you just heard Aaron Rodgers bought land by Nashville. Russell Wilson might like Sierra up in Nashville. That's my sleeper, the Tennessee Titans. You have anybody you think, and I'll tell you their odds could. Uh, could I'm going to demure
1: year. for now because I want to see what Pittsburgh does with a quarterback and what Denver maybe does with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Although I'm on record as saying, uh, McKenzie, that I do think Aaron Rodgers will be back in Green Bay, and we'll talk about that in future shows, but I do like your Tennessee pick because I have a lot of faith in Mike Vrabel, and I think they just coughed up the bit that one day, but they're going to be back uh, in a big way next year. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. Keep it locked right here because coming up, we're going to take you to 3 a.m. Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports
2: Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight of Vegas!